0: back to the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. And I'm Dale. And uh, today we've got a few things for you. We're going to be talking about our uh, favorite, and by favorite I use that word very, very sparingly, uh, because we're talking about white cards. Um, And white cards, let's be honest, they fucking suck. Uh, In comparison to a lot of the other uh, colors and engines that other colors can set up, it's extremely lacking and i think that's a that's a pretty well known thing
1: yeah, yeah definitely like when it comes down to like making a list of like best cards in a in a color i feel like every color is like you can like easily pick out 10 you get to white though and it's like starts to get kind of tricky to like really be like is this card super powerful and strong or is it just like only good in mono white yeah. type deal
0: so yeah, the the good only in mono white cards end up being a lot of cards in white. Um, so, like I said, a little bit underpowered. Wizards has said that they are going to be working on white in very much the same way that they worked on red. Which, if you have had your eyes open or not been under a rock, red has gotten extremely helped out in the past two years. Oh yeah, big time. I mean, it started with Dockside, Baby Dockside, Underworld Breach. I mean, Dockside, I think was the tipping point, right? So that was what two Commander decks ago. Yeah, and um, Dockside really showed that. Yeah, we're gonna put this mana powerhouse on a two mana card in mono red, and if you ask any any cedh player any casual edh player like if you hear them groaning about an early dockside that's gonna net somebody you know six seven mana it's justified every time like nobody wants to see you know a turn a turn go around where everybody's like oh i play soul ring and a signet and i play this and that and i you know there's a whole bunch of shit out there and then last player on the second turnaround goes Dockside, and then it's just like, well, that dude's on fucking turn 10. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what do you even do?
1: Yeah, I mean, Dockside is, like, hands down absolutely amazing. And I'm, I'm glad Wizards went the route of printing it in a Commander deck. That's the right way to make really powerhouse, strong cards. Put it in a Commander product. Don't put it in Standard, so you got to do all the bans and all that crap. Put it in a side supplemental product. Yeah. They do a good
0: job with it. And uh, es- effectively, you know, in-, in CDH especially, Dockside is a fucking menace. Like, you don't ever want to see a Dockside. Ever. Yeah. Like, people dropping Dockside's probably comboing off, you know, next turn. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Or that turn. Yeah. Like, you know, I've seen a lot of people teching different things... Uh, to kind of combat the t- the turn, Dockside comes down combos, like root maze and things like that, where artifacts enter tapped, really kind of shuts off the Dockside yeah. loops. Not being able to use the uh, tokens. Yeah, but darkside horrifically powerful. I was so glad they printed it because red was begging for for help. Yeah. Now we just need a reprint. Yeah. Yep. And I mean that would be amazing, you know. Get more copies of Dockside out there, so it's not a fucking thirty dollar Goblin.
1: I think it's like forty now too. Really? Yeah. Shh. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, it
1: is like forty. Last, I think it was last week we looked, and it's like literally, it's cheaper to just buy the commander, the commander deck, deck than pay
0: for a single. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you put something that powerful in a commander deck, you're—it's gonna be worth more than the deck. Yeah.
1: You know? I've literally thought about cracking my sealed one open. Just so I can get another copy of Dockside. But, probably won't, but I've definitely been tempted seeing it sitting there. I'm like, oh, man, I got a couple of mono-red decks now. I could really use another one. Proxies. <laughs> yep. Always proxies. use proxies. You know? Yeah. But anyway, before we, uh, meander too far off into red, when we're supposed to be talking about <laughs> See, white. <laughs> you know, but
0: if I think it's indicative of, like, how much I don't want to fucking talk about white, because, uh... White sucks, but yeah. uh, you know I think in that same deck they printed a really powerhouse white card, Savine's Reclamation, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is the it's the Sun Titan ETB on a sorcery, I believe, or is it an instant? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember if it's an
1: instant or sorcery but, off the top of my head, but
0: you know, um, either way. That card's pretty powerful, too. If you're running... There's a bunch of CDH lists that are running, like, America colors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um... So... Savine's Reclamation gets way more powerful because you have, like, a really solid recursion uh, thing that can be cast from the grave. So... Uh, you don't mind, like, wheeling it away or something like that. And then there's, like, a whole bunch of Savine's Reclamation loops that you can do... You know stuff like Dockside and Wheel and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but let's jump into uh, the top cards in white now, just based off of like sheer popularity. Uh, we can start with the key pieces of white removal: Swords to Plowshares and Path to Exile. Yeah. If you're running a white deck and you're running removal. You're running Swords, you're yeah. running Path.
1: If you are Splashing White or playing Mono White, and you're probably more than likely going to be playing the 1-mana Instant Speed Removal Spells because it's just that good.
0: Well, Like, Swords has had more printings than Path. And because of that, I believe, because of that, Swords is present in 52% of 220,000 decks on EDH, 52%, over half. Whereas Path to Exile, less printings, a little more expensive because of the modern play, uh, is only in 29% of 220,000 decks. That's crazy difference. Yeah. Now, so if you had to
1: choose between one or the other, what do you think is better?
0: Plow. Every time. Every time? Because I... The only time that I've ever, you know, not used a plow over path is when, you know, I have, like, an opposition agent. Or a Avon yeah. Mind Sensor. Or a, something where they're not going to yeah, get they don't the get plus that, of that the, the land. Yeah. yeah, and I would rather give... I would rather give someone any amount of life than... A turn a, a time walk of a land definitely you know what I mean yep um, every time for sure especially if you think about the creatures that you're gonna be swordsing you know a lot of the time you're gonna be removing threats that are hard to remove via other ways or that you need them gone right now you know uh, any of the the legal titans the let's see Anything like Avicen, which can't be interacted with via destroy effects, yeah. uh, you're just like I don't care if you gain the a life. Yeah, light yeah. steel. Absolutely, it's when you're trying to whittle down somebody's you know uh, board state, and you just need to get it done. Source spot shares works every time. Um, so yeah, those those two top two removal pieces uh, for a reason. Single white, limited investment. Pay, each one has an enemy payoff, but who gives a fuck? Yeah. Uh,
1: They're both instant speed.
0: Yeah. And then, coming in right after the removal, I think, is one of the most ubiquitous white cards. And probably the best white card printed in the past five to ten years. Yeah, I'll agree. Smothering Tithe. Definitely. Definitely. Smothering Tithe is an absolute menace, and if you don't either counter it or insta-spot removal it, it will generate huge amounts of value. Like, disgusting amounts of value. With, uh, with that, too, the one thing I really
1: do think they messed up with Smothering Tithe is by making it only one white. Because then it just it just makes its way into like so many different color schemes just because it's just a splash that you can use to ramp hard so I think like it would have been a, a lot better if they would have at least added just one more white clip in there one more devotion to white would you know put it into a lot more white only decks or maybe two color decks yeah
0: like double double white pip would definitely kind of shave down the amount of decks that gain a ton of value out of this but like that's what I
1: feel like is one of white's like big problems is whenever they try to make a good white card they never make it to where it's like only good for white decks it's always something that's like with the swords in the path it's just one so you can splash it in like anything you know instead of just making it four mono white decks to give mono white support it's just so splashy
0: now what was what was the card that came out in commander legends the dude that like makes a token and gives you a, uh, a keeper land?
1: of the accord
0: yeah now that's a single white pip as well right yep but i think that the f- limit to
1: having to tutor out a planes
0: yeah, I th- the fact that it only gets a planes makes it really good for white. Yeah. And it's a single white pip, so I think that's like the one instance where I would say that I would only run Keeper of the Accord in a mono-white list, you know. Yeah. Specifically because... I could see it, like, either in only mono-white
1: or only in Boros.
0: I would even go f- so far as to say Boros or Orzhov.
1: Orzov, well, yeah, because then it's got the token synergies. Yeah,
0: you so. get a lot of token synergies, and I mean, unless you're running the ritual effects in black, like not everyone does. Yeah, uh, the constant ramp of the the single planes will help you, because Orzov Boros both have trouble, you know, especially since fucking Cabal Coffers is now a yeah X dollars card, uh, which if it's if that's your problem, just fucking proxy it. But, uh, you know, some people just run higher concentration white Orzhov decks that I think Keeper would work well in. But, uh, yeah, really, Smothering Tithe is insanely powerful, especially when you're playing against value engine decks that want to draw a ton of cards. Yeah. Because it's just like, you know, blue decks. Are you going to really pay six to pay for your brainstorm whenever you're brainstorming into a Smothering Tithe. Yeah. You know, you need that brainstorm, but they get a free Black Lotus out of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. The Smothering Tithe, I feel like, is a really good counter to the uh, blue decks and even, like, now red with the amount of wheel effects that red has as well. Like, it can definitely put in some solid work. I mean, one time around the table, you're probably going to net three to five in one turn. Yeah. And you know, that's in the mid game I that's would if, say like, yeah, definitely. If somebody has, you know, that rhystic study out or God forbid a consecrated sphinx or something, then yeah, you're you're probably gonna get some severe value out of
0: it. Oh yeah. And um I mean, smothering tithe, amazing card, allows White to ramp heavily in a three man pod, even against even in one v one. It's worth it in one V one even just to net an extra mana. Yeah. But uh, the next set of, you know, probably the best white cards uh, are the two uh, relatively low-costed tutors for enchantments. Um, Now, Enlightened Tutor, that gets you an enchantment card or an artifact card, puts it on top of your library, and uh, you shuffle the rest, obviously. It's uh, an instant. Now that's real good. Um, doing that on an opponent's turn, uh, after you've already played your planes for first turn, and you go get your mana crypt, you go get your soul ring. You know, we had a, there was a there was a meme. You know, when I was starting out in EDH, and you know, soul ring hadn't been printed in the first precons because they didn't exist yet. And um, if you had a soul ring. It was Find Target Sol Ring. That was like what your Enlightened Tutor was for. It was like, <laughs> I'm going to Find Target Sol Ring. Find Target Mana Crypt. You know, Mana Crypt was also like way more expensive because it was yeah. a single printing, single print card.
1: I've recently found myself a lot using the Enlightened Tutor for uh, Boros uh, equipment style Voltrani decks and it's like uh, with like with Wyleth with the new commander precon they came mm-hmm. out with it's yeah. like you swing with some stuff, you get to draw those cards, you instant speed tutor, put it to the top, draw the card, then second main phase, play it, equip it. So Yeah,
0: Wyleth I mean, the two decks that came out with that with Commander Legends was Wyleth and the Geyer Straight guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his actual name. But he's the play an extra land, get a good effect whenever you play uh, a land, like draw a card, game life. Aces? Air, ace A ace something, something. Something like that. Yeah, good Good. Good try.
1: <laughs> we, we both have no fucking clue what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about.
0: This is the amount of research we do here on Yeah, uh, on pretty Commander's much fault. off the cuff over here, yeah. you know? So. Um, and then the other is Idyllic Tutor, which I believe just allows you to search for an enchantment.
1: Either that or uh, the uh, one-mana sorcery speed equipment. Search for an equipment or artifact. Uh, uh, Steel Shaper's Gift. Steel Shaper's Gift, yeah. That's sorcery, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it, like, a lot.
0: It's all, I think less. Steel Shaper's Gift's really expensive right now.
1: Yeah, with all the, the Boros equipment decks, man, making that boom with the
0: Commander Legends uh, partner guy that auto-equips. Oh, Arden. Yep and uh, Arden and Rograch. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, the the Tudors, uh, the Enlightened is obviously better than the Idyllic, but um, White being able to search through the deck to get whatever you're looking for is, uh, is always very good. Um, now, we had contention on this. I had Sun Titan in my top ten because I'm from... The old times of like Sun Titan combos. Like I remember when Sun Titan was printed, there was a a uh, a standard deck called Solar Flare, and what it was was having Phantasmal Image in your grave, so you would uh, try and get all your Phantasmal Images in the grave. And then you would have Sun Titan bring back a Phantasmal Image as a Sun Titan bring back Phantasmal Image as a Sun Titan, yeah. <laughs> and then you have five Sun Titans. Yeah, and that's no slouch at six six. So, and uh, yeah, that deck was hilarious. And I've always used Sun Titan for a variety of reasons. A lot of uh, a lot of combo uh, like white green. Uh, Sapphire
1: Strader with the Revel Arc. Yeah, type.
0: anything that's using like Revel Arc and like Blasting Station in white uh, is going to have like redundant effects that allow you to do the Sun Titan effect, which is bring back a permanent from the graveyard to the battlefield mana costs three or less. So it gets you your lands, it gets you your dorks, it gets you you know, your combo piece, you know. It's a pretty solid card. Now we had I the next the card that you said would be in your top five but uh, was not in my top five, even though it's a great card, uh Teferi's Protection. Yeah. I find that the strategies that like use Teferi's protection in a non like oh shit button way are pretty non existent. Like, I think Teferi's Protection is the most hilarious whenever you're, like, Lethal Vaporzing uh, and then using Teferi's Protection. So, if you're unfamiliar with Lethal Vapors, it is a 4-drop black enchantment, 2 and 2 black. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, destroy it. There's an activated ability for 0 mana that says, skip your next turn. Anyone may play this ability, destroy Lethal Vapors. So there's a hilarious, like, not a combo per se, but a synergy, which really punishes anyone who doesn't have alternate win cons. Like if they're trying to win via, you know, combat damage or something, you know, they don't have like a Lab Man com- win- combo in or anything. Uh, you can play Lethal Vapors and then cast a Protection and skip a non-infinite amount of turns by stacking the activated ability of Lethal Vapors, and then Teferi's Protection reads until your next turn. So you can't be dealt damage, you can't be targeted, you can't... uh, Let me read read this whole thing here. All you Control phase out, and you have protection from everything. So, you skip 200 turns, and... Your opponent basically just has to try and win, or they're just they'll deck they'll themselves. Draw out. Yeah, yeah, they'll deck themselves out. Which I, think-
1: I, I like that. That's a that's a spicy little play with that. I like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can understand why. Like Teferi's protection, in my opinion, is like it's higher on my list just because I feel like it's not as competitive, like definitely CEDH people don't necessarily need to be running to Faerie's Protection. But, like, in the more casual, stompy style, like, that a lot of people play, like, that can just like, someone goes to win the game, kill everybody, boom, you blink out and they're left, like, you know, up shit creek because they thought they were gonna win and they blew all of their resources and everything into that win and you didn't die. So, like, I feel like even with the cost of it being, like, whatever the hell Teferi's Protection is, it's, like, 40 or some something absurd like that, I still think it's, like, really good in the more casual format versus in competitive. Versus, like, with the combo-ish of uh, Sun Titan. Like, that's going to mm-hmm. be in a lot more of your, like, really combo-centric
0: decks. Yep. Um, I mean, both of them fantastic cards... Uh, Next card on my list was Land Tax. Um, Because of the shittiness of White's ramp ability and, you know, land-finding ability, even if it's just putting it in your hand, Um, securing your land drops every turn with a Land Tax on, you know, turn one, two, something like that, where you're not the first player. Infinite. uh, It's so good. Normally, I'm on the thing, like,
1: there's the train of deck thinning is deck winning normally i'm not a part of that but with land tax i think that it does actually add up like if literally every turn you're being able to fetch out three nine, lands yeah, even yeah, like if three you're just turns, pitching them into your grave
0: three turns still. nine lands if you're procking land tax every turn yeah you've thinned your deck nine cards you know almost 10 percent of the total of your of your deck
1: yeah like and i definitely feel like land tax too it's it's one mana so like it doesn't just go in mono white decks it goes in three color decks like i would run land tax in every single one of my naya decks like every time because just being able to have that out on turn one fixes my lands i just go and get the three color lands that i need boom i have them in my hand pitch any duplicate lands that I already had in my hand and boom, I'm fixed. I can at least hit my land drops every turn and get the colors that I need. So I think it's, in my opinion, land tax is not ramp, it's fixing. It gets you what you need. Yeah,
0: I agree. And I mean, like, talking about white's infinite, you know, hardships, uh, you run a lot, you run into a lot of problems with instant speed interaction. Yeah, uh, which the next card on the list um, pretty much takes care of that. Grand Abolisher, two white mana for a two-two. During your turn, opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're, you know, you're sick of getting your shit countered. You know, because if you're playing white, you're either trying to spot remove you're trying to blow the board up because everybody's ramped ahead of you and has more shit you're trying to play bomb spells like sun titan like ellish norn trying to grind out advantage any way you can and those blue decks are laughing at you because they're just like no that doesn't resolve no that doesn't resolve no that doesn't resolve
1: yeah Yeah, I'm I'm the Naya train guy. Like, I love Naya. It's my favorite three color. And Grand Abolisher's in every single Naya deck I run. Because I'm running overrun stompy stuff. And when I need to drop that Triumph of the Hordes or, you know, that thing that's going to win me the game, I always make sure I get that Grand Abolisher out. So that no one can interact with when I'm casting that win the game spell, you know. So, Grand Abolisher, man, is... Is definitely like one, in my opinion, one of the best white creatures in the game. Like it just oh, does definitely. so much work.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yep, and uh, just I mean, it's in a ton of like, C- like CDH like stacks lists. Uh, it used to be a core of the old Flash Hulk lists, the Breakfast Hulk and stuff, where you're you're trying to get your core Nomads, your um, your Grand Abolisher, and your Cephalid uh dude. You yeah. know? So that no one can once you cast the flash, no one can interact with anything. They can't sudden spoiling you. They can't, you know, f- make you draw the card in response to you playing anything or drawing a card. They can't remove your your lab man or whatever your win con is. Yeah. They just can't do anything on your turn. If that like if that flash would resolve, that was usually the end of the game. Like, I, uh, I play a Winota
1: Boros deck, and it's one of the best human hits in the deck to hit. Because so many times, a blue player's not going to stifle that ability because they don't know what you're going to hit. And then you hit that, you play it on, boom, now they can't interact with anything you're doing, and you just overwhelm everybody and just kill the whole table or at least kill whatever person you think is the biggest threat. Because, like, yeah, they just can't
0: interact. Yep. Like, a lot of decks thrive on being able to control the board state or control spells that hit and things like that. And if you're cheating it out with Winota, you know, there's no way they can know this is the effect that's going to hit the Grand Abolisher. But once it already does, it's too late. Yeah. I mean, most,
1: like, higher tier decks that are just playing, like, powerful cards... Is really interactive, lots of instant speed stuff. So having that to shut that down really helps out when you're not
0: playing blue. Definitely, definitely, one hundred percent. Speaking of like the bombs you're trying to resolve, White has some pretty cool like mega bomb cards. Um, you know, back in the olden times, it was like Sarah Avatar, where it was like your yeah you know, your life total <laughs> is its power and toughness. And you were trying to like suit it up with a whisper silk cloak or something so you could just clap people's cheeks, but uh, you know I don't see I don't see many of that yeah. anymore. Uh, yeah,
1: no, I used to run it a, a bit, but because yeah. I think
0: it's a seven drop, right? It's oh. five and two or five and three. It might be an eight it, drop. Yeah, it might be eight. It is an eight drop because of the avatar cycle was a full was all eight drops. Um, so yeah, there's Sarah Avatar five and three white. that says. Power and toughness, sequel to your life total, and um, that was a good way to, to one shot people back in the day. But uh, for eight mana, we can do better things now. Yeah, like uh, Avacyn, uh Angel of Hope, printed in uh, in Avison restored. It's an eight eight flyer for eight that has vigilance and all permanents you control are indestructible, as well as flying. Yeah, but indestructible is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. If you're giving it to everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. When it's just creatures, okay, there are sweeper effects and minus one stuff you can do, but when it's literally everything, you can't remove artifacts, enchantments, lands, like it. They really... can
0: now attack you without any <laughs> like problems, just because.
1: Yeah, uh Elish Norn, another huge bomb white card.
0: Yeah. You wanna sweep an elf player's tears? You know, directly into your flask, uh, play an Elish Norn on an elf deck, yeah, and they will cry tears of blood, definitely. Like, um, yeah, Elish Norn, pretty, pretty good. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Elish Norn, it's five and two white. It's the white Praetor from New Phyrexia, uh, has vigilance, is a four seven. And gives all your creatures plus two, plus two. And gives all opponent's creatures minus two, minus two. So this is a constant negative effect on your opponent's board. Um, anything that has two or less uh, toughness is now just dead and can never be played. D-O-A. Yeah, so if, you're, if you manage to clap somebody's commander with an Elish they can never play their commander again. Unless they have, like, buffing enchantments. Because it doesn't even survive long enough to equip. So, Ellis Norn, pretty hilarious, especially if you get it out early game and you, you toast some green players, mana dorks, and then they get all upset because that was their whole plan was to only have mana dorks in a couple lands.
1: Yeah, and Ellis Norn definitely synergizes pretty well with a lot of the white architect, you know, white tokens, token, yeah, token, human decks. Yep.
0: So. And uh, which one of my uh, the next favorite cards that I have is Darksteel Mutation. You need to rip all the effects off a off a commander or a ridiculous you know creature that's out. You turn it into a zero one bug with indestructible. It loses all of other abilities, types, and creature types. You seems to people real salty whenever you've hit their Kozilek with a Darksteel Mutation or their Lifesteal Colossus or their
1: or their commander that's just like really good value commander and it's like okay now it does nothing and you can't even get rid of it unless you have a stack outlet yeah it's definitely dark steel mutation is definitely a card that i haven't really been playing too much in the last few years but like has definitely got its fair share of play out of me i mean it's just one of those good like spite removal yeah. cards like yeah you're just honestly, like
0: oh you you're using your commander's uh intended effect and it's really good now it sucks here yeah. you go here's a bug and it's, it's just
1: a bug. it's just great that it's indestructible because like normally when somebody's like oh i turned your dude into a 3-3 elk or i turn it into this it's like okay i just swing it at something that's bigger and they block it and it dies but nope it's indestructible so
0: yeah and uh, I think you and I agreed, both, both of us agreed on this next card, has completely uh, like added a new facet to the white stacks, which uh, have always been pretty good. Like White hate bears, white stacks has always been pretty decent. Uh, Drannith Magistrate. That's uh, one in white for a 1-3. Uh, your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hand. If you play Commander, which you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) uh, that means you can't cast your Commander. Yeah. Or anything from the Grave, your deck, Flashback, Exile. Yeah, like, no. (laughs) Yeah. It's a
1: powerhouse. For only two
0: mana, too? It's like, this this is a turn one drop. Yeah. Like, quite easily, so. I mean, a lot of... And this thing hoses CDH decks, too. Yeah. Like... A lot of CDH decks trying to cast from their graveyard, trying to uh, cast like Food Chain. Like, Food Chain tries to cast uh, its outlets from Exile, which now they can't do. You know, it's hilariously simple yet extremely effective.
1: Yeah, and the fact that it has a three toughness too is like, oh, man, fuck that, that dude. that's what pushes it like into the next level too is the fact that it's like three toughness like it's a little bit harder to get rid of things with three toughness and it seems like it's not but it really does make a difference honestly i know they've started to move towards having a four toughness in a lot of stuff which is even like harder to remove but yeah i mean drannith magistrate is just freaking ridiculously good like shuts down all the impulsive draw type stuff for red too as well yeah like yeah
0: Super good, like that new horn, yeah, Burgie's horn,
1: yep, that thing, yeah, you know, super Va- powerful. Valakut awakening too, like oh yeah, shuts that's... all that stuff down. Man, I don't like Drain of Smash straight, man. I, I'll tell you what, anytime I see that, that's like, I think that needs to be. I didn't see that on the the salt list. I, I think that's making its way it, in the salt. It, list.
0: Definitely, <laughs> I and I believe it's. Even at a, at a casual table, if you're playing Draeneth Magistrate, like even in the most battle cruisery casual table, like straight up people hate it when they can't play their commanders, dude. People will get so upset, so butthurt <laughs> when they cannot play their commanders. And Draeneth Magistrate just says, no, you get, you get no commander. And, yeah.
1: And they get to stare at, uh, in my opinion, a handsome looking guy.
0: I agree. <laughs> I agree so yeah drannith magistrate extremely strong what's the what's the, he's less than five bucks <laughs> yeah you feel like you're losing to some stompy general that's like kicking your ass just play drannith magistrate yeah and
1: then- ex- especially if that stompy commander is like a a four or a six drop <laughs> and it's like you're definitely gonna have Draneth out well before they're yep. even close to getting their commander out so
0: definitely And uh, our next card, also a creature, insanely powerful, Recruiter of the Guard. Uh, It's a 2 and 1 white for a human soldier, 1-1. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with toughness 2 or less. Reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. If you're playing in a Boros list, this is almost always you're going to go get your Grand Abolisher, your Dockside Extortionist, your, you know... For me, it's Dockside Extortionist. But yeah. that's because Dockside Extortionist is the the most powerful, uh, like two toughness creature, in the meta right now. Like if I can pay three mana to go get Dockside, then make ten mana. Yeah, it's just gross. Yeah, I definitely usually go
1: for in my Winota deck. It's either gonna be Dockside or it's gonna be. Uh, Ornithopter or or like some zero drop flyer that I can just guarantee get those triggers off Winota every time I attack. Something like that. Yeah.
0: The next one in kind of the same vein, Stoneforge Mystic. Uh, For those unfamiliar with Stoneforge Mystic, let me tell you the absolute bonkers ass card this was when it was released, originally in Zendikar. So for two mana, one in white you get a Core Artificer, who's a 1-2. When she enters the battlefield, you search your library for an equipment. Reveal it, put it in your hand, shuffle your library. And then for 2 and a tap, you can put that equipment from your hand into the battlefield. Now, there was an, a deck in Standard during that time, just after it went Zendikar, Worldwake, Rise of the Eldrazi, Core, Scars of Mirrodin, Mirrodin Besiege, New Phyrexia. All those were in a block together. New Phyrexia had this little known spell called Batterskull. Batterskull is insanely effective because it makes its own attachment and is a 4-4, I think, Vigilance Lifelinker, Right? Yeah. So for a Stoneforge Mystic to go and get it, I can now play this 5-drop, I believe it is, for 2. And it comes in and is ready to attack right there. Uh Stoneforge I believe got banned in standard? I can't remember. It's been a long... I know
1: it did get banned. At it's, some it was point, it, yeah. it was banned in
0: modern. It was yeah. definitely banned in modern. Yeah. Um but there was a the deck archetype Squad Hawk was I play Stoneforge mystics, I play Squadron Hawk. I always have an attacker because every time I cast a Squad Hawk, I put a Squad Hawk in my hand. So you remove that one? okay, I'll get another one. I have this equipment that I found with Stoneforge. I'm just going to hook it up to this hawk and punch you in the face.
1: Yeah. Squad hawk. Pretty solid. I mean, like, Stoneforge Mystic, definitely. I mean, if you're playing Wyleth, if you're playing Arden, if you're playing any Boros-style equipment deck, or just any, like, mono-white Voltron, like, it's an auto-include. Definitely. Anything that's going to – as you can see the pattern here – if you can tutor in white, it's going to be good. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Another uh, another great... I don't know if I'd say stacks piece, but I'll call it a stacks piece. Uh, Linvala. Keeper of Silence. If you... could, I could count on one hand the amount of decks that aren't affected by Linvala. From mana dorks to fucking anything. Anything with an activated ability... She turns it off. So, for two and two white, she's a flying angel. Three, four. Activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated. You get to turn off someone's creatures from doing whatever. And a lot of times, you're turning off their commander. Yep. You know. A lot of commanders have a tap, do this. Or pay something, do that. Uh, Linval is just like, nope. Not going to happen. You know. Think about a Cranko player with limited removal in their deck. Yeah. Gets Linvala done. Yep. And then it's like, oh, that's how many goblins you have? That's how many you're going to keep having because no yep. more Cranko. Yeah, Linvala, definitely.
1: I run a copy of that in Winota as well. I mean, it's, it always puts in work it, every time. Like, actually, no matter what deck I've run that has it in, it, it always does work.
0: And I don't think I've heard a table not grown. Yeah. When a Linvala comes down like, like players just like, we cast Linvala." And everyone's just like, "Ah." Yeah, shit. I mean, especially when you're like
1: if you're the mono white player or like the Boros player, like a lot of times like when it's other uh when it's your turn, the other players are kind of just like nonchalantly not giving a shit. And then you say that, and then you hear everybody... Wait, wait, what? What?
0: What? Oh, Uh, what? Can anyone do anything (laughs) about this? Like, everybody's immediately, like, on the destroy the Limbala train. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, solid card. Solid card. Fantastic. Speaking of, uh, uh, you know, flyers that are annoying, we have uh, Sarah Ascendant. Probably one of my top five saltiest, like, turn one plays. It's not even that... They get a 6-6 flyer for one on turn one. I'm like, I just hate that I know I'm going to lose, like, at least 12 life to this thing. Like, it's going to punch me. It's going to keep punching me until I can find an answer for it. Like, if you're in 1v1 and they drop a Sarah send to turn one, you're just like, fuck me. Yeah. Like, Great.
1: Oh yeah, in I have one to sit, yeah. in one v one, it's like so much more ridiculous if you're playing one v one commander because I mean that's that's a twelve point life swing every time that thing hits, like so. You're losing six, they're, they're gaining, six. gaining six, yeah, and it really can like take the game. So
0: uh, one of the uh, one of the other uh, cards that was printed in commander that I think is pretty solid. Was Grasp of Fate. It also got a Mystery Boosters printing, I believe. Okay. Uh, so for three mana, Grasp of Fate, a white enchantment, one and two white. When Grasp of Fate enters the battlefield for each opponent, exile up to one target non-land permanent that player controls until Grasp of Fate leaves the battlefield. So you get a triple O-ring for three. Now yeah. I've seen a lot of white decks you know, leverage on that because... Sometimes you don't have, you don't need to wipe the board. Sometimes you don't need to completely fuck everything up. Sometimes you just need to pick apart little tiny, you know, people's combo pieces, people's annoying value engines, and for three mana to be able to do that for each player, I think it's really solid. And that's actually pretty affordable. It's uh, seven fifty. I think that's pretty good, actually.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's great. If you're if you're playing uh, you know, mono white, I think it's really good. If you're if you're playing uh green white deck, I'd probably go with Barrier Breach over that. But I still think it is a solid guard. Definitely.
0: Barrier Breach is exile three enchantments.
1: Yep. And it has cycling as well. So if there's no enchantments that you need to get rid of, you go ahead, and cycle it, draw a card. So get a little cantrip going on
0: or Remove the worst stuff possible, and I mean, you know, people. You know, when they're complaining about white creatures, it's usually about stacks creatures. Yeah, pretty much every time. <laughs> and one of the uh, one of the most ubiquitous white stacks creatures, old as shit. I think it was Future Sight printing. Yeah. Yep. Was the original printing? Even um, Mind Sensor, for uh, three mana, flash, flying. 2-1, if an opponent would search their library, they inst- they instead search the top four cards. You want to hear somebody get super salty? Like, watch them crack a fetch land and then AVEN Mind Censor them. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God.
1: This, the AVEN Mind Censor literally was, like, in my opinion, like, one of the best just shit on someone's tutor until Opposition, Opposition Agent. Agent. But for white, since that's what we're talking about, AVEN Mind Censor is just oh god it's so great when somebody goes to crack that fetch land and you just flash that in
0: oh i love it yeah it's it's insanely good especially when you know because if you're playing white only paired with one color or you're playing mono white you're usually playing from behind yeah most of the time uh it's really fun to see somebody like I'm going to go find my win con. And you're like, you're going to find it in the top four cards is where you're going to try and find it.
1: Yeah, it's always great when it's like you, you turn one of planes and a mana crypt past turn, and then like the first person goes to crack a fetch land or something, and you're just like, flash it in, and then the other two players, too, are like, ah, because they were planning on fetching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's great. Yeah. I, uh, I think you know. I think we've actually talked about more than ten white cards.
1: Yeah. I think about it, but we've been kind of hitting around on like some of the better white stuff.
0: And I, but I think that's about it. Like honestly, I've not seen a ton of super good shit for white. Still, now there's obviously, um, you know, there are cards that are really synergistic in different strategies. You know, there's a lot of, like, white, mono-white Blink cards. You know, if you're playing a Blink deck, those cards are going to be f- awesome. awesome. Yeah. Otherwise, they're kind of meh. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. Uh, Generous Gift was one that had just come out. Uh, I'm trying to remember where it was from. Because it wasn't... Its most recent printing is Commander Legends generous gift came out.
1: Uh it was be- I think not the geared commander precon. I know it was in the geared commander precon. But I, I think it came out prior to that like maybe 6 months before that or something. What was I can't remember what sets came out Modern
0: right Horizon? That. Modern, Modern Horizon, yep, yep, that's it. It was yep, Modern, Horizon. Modern Horizon. Literally, I have to like catalog through my hand, like <laughs> where the fuck is with this the car of, in it? With the amount,
1: with the amount of products that come out now, it's like, yeah, Ugh, yeah, but yeah, I
0: mean, so for two and a white, destroy target permanent. Its controller makes a three-three green elephant
1: beast within, but for white,
0: yeah, uh, that's uh pretty in white's vein. Destroy a thing, they get an upside. Yeah, uh, I mean
1: the fact that it hits any permanent is, is pretty solid. That's what makes it good.
0: Um, yeah, white did not have a lot of, like, permanent destruction. It was, like, creatures only, enchantments and artifacts only per spell, you know, like disenchant, stuff like that. Yeah. It's still really good at removal, but this just hits fucking whatever you want.
1: Yeah, now you can hit those lands that are, like, really pesky
0: lands. Just cast Armageddon. Quit beating around the bush. Just cast Armageddon, (laughs) alright? Just get over it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, white really does kind of lead some of the other colors in like the enchantments department. Um, I won't even talk about like their best sorceries, mostly because uh, most of their good sorceries are blowing everything up. Yeah, wrath of God, Day of Judgment, fumigate. Uh, Which ex- it it bring it actually
1: brings this to my attention is that the. Uh, the professor from Talarin Academy actually did an episode, I think last week or something, about, like, why white shouldn't be called the color of removal. And made a lot of solid points about, like, yeah, a lot of colors have solid removal. So, like, should we always just, like, refer to white as, like, being that, like, just removal color? Eh, I don't think so. Sure, it definitely has some of the better, like creature removal for edh but there's a, a lot of creature removal so i would
0: argue that black is like tied with creature removal in yeah E D H.
1: yeah and like black has a i feel like a lot more sweeper removal it's a lot more like stuff that like doesn't just get rid of one creature but it gets rid of multiple creatures it also exiles creatures it I mean, Black... That's,
0: now, that's been something that Black is, like, just getting into these past few years has been exiling creatures. Yeah,
1: since uh, Hour of Devastation, I think, is when we started seeing exile a creature. If it if it was a god, do this. Mm. You know? So, I definitely think what, er, Black's been starting to creep into, like, exiling and, like, stealing white effects. Whereas, where the heck is white creeping into the other... Colors.
0: Nope, they don't get any. No, but uh, Gavin Berry did say that they were trying. Like these next couple years are going to be where they're gonna try and amp up white. Uh, One of the cards I think, uh, which if they hold on, which if they do it like they did red, hell yeah. Yeah, I'd be pumped too. Yeah, I I would be stoked about the future of white, but white right now still kind of eh.
1: Yeah. To me. Um, I, I did want to mention one that we didn't didn't mention. It's it's uh, rest in peace. Two mana enchantment, one in a white. When it enters a battlefield you exile all cards from all graveyards, and then there is no graveyards. Everything just goes into exile. It's
0: Leyline of the Void at that point.
1: Right? Yeah. It uh it's a super powerhouse card. It stops combo decks, it stops like tons of different deck archetypes and it's also a combo enabler itself with uh the helm helm of obedience to where you can just mill a player out yeah you're not milling every person out at the same time but you're just taking out whatever's the worst player next turn the next player next turn the next player so i definitely feel like rest in peace is super strong card in white for the fact that it's only two mana
0: I, I wouldn't even say that it, it's super strong by itself. It's strong if you're playing into graveyard strategies, if you're playing into heavy combo graveyard decks, like your Breach Wheels and things like that. But by itself, it's still just kind of like, eh.
1: yeah. Yeah, it, it's it definitely, I guess, would be a meta-dependent type of yeah. card. But, I mean, if you are going to be playing, like, say, Mono White, and you're looking for combo wins and yeah rest in peace in the helm that's a combo win for your deck you can you can power out the win with it and you know if other people are playing that graveyard strategy you just shut them down so yeah especially if it's mono like not mono black but a lot of black strategies are graveyard so like white comes mm-hmm.
0: in with that and just shuts it down so that's what I mean though, it's it's really de beta dependent. Like yeah. what are you playing against? Yeah. But um yeah, we really wanna see some white love here in the next uh, couple years. Like let's see some good maybe let's get some good card draw. Can yeah. we get some good card draw? Uh I'll take Keeper of the Accord as our ramp, I guess. Um but I wanna see like like green got harmonize, like pay four draw three. Yeah. It's fine. Let's get a little Let's get a little, you know. Yeah, let's idolized let's, see a, you know? let's see Let's yeah. see a
1: white Dockside extortionist that just draws you cards.
0: I think <laughs> I mean, and we've talked about this before, Hull Breacher should have been white and Opposition Agent should have been white. You know, those effects slot perfectly into white decks, give them an, a better engine against tutoring decks and cards that... and decks that just draw a shitload more cards than them. You know. Hashtag those should've been white.
1: Like, how about a two mana... a two mana 2-2 two, two creature ETBs choose target player draw cards equal to the difference of cards in hand. So, say you have two cards and they have seven you draw five when it ETBs. That seems like something white, white could do and then it would also be good later because white has a lot of blink effects. So you could blink it, ETP, keep drawing cards, and get like a, a nice value engine for drawing. Out Give of it, it two
0: white pips. Yeah. Give it two white pips. Yes.
1: Definitely don't make it a colorless. I don't a need to see a some white.
0: fucking Grand Arbiter Augustin deck <laughs> yeah. drawing a load of cards with a blink in effect. In fact,
1: that I don't even think it can be two mana. I think we need to make it three mana and three white pips. I'd be fine with that. That way it is only white decks going to be running that. Because it would be very abusable with the flicker effects.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's like our wish list um, for stuff that we want uh, white to get better at. Or at least have something to compete. At least bring something to the table. A lot of these strengths of other colors are matched in the other colors by different things. A lot of the strengths aren't matched by white because it just doesn't have the tools.
1: Yeah. You know? Like, think of... Like, think of every other color. Let's just say CEDH. The mono-colored commanders that are in CEDH. Like, mono-white? Yeah, I don't think you really you really have that. Aside from uh Tishar, Tashar, that, yeah. That's about it. And that's even, like...
0: Really hard to pilot and everything. The god Heliod, the lifeline god. Yeah. That's, like, the only two that I can think of.
1: Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, like, most of the other colors, like, they have, like, options. Yeah. So... I agree. Definitely white needs some love, and I'm sure Wizards is probably getting sick and tired of hearing everybody bitch about about it it, and complain. But, I mean, hey, do something about it. Make it happen. Hopefully... You know, if Gavin says that they're working on it, hopefully he means they were working on it two years Seven ago and ago, that it's about to come out. Yeah, and, You know, and 2022 is going to be the year of fucking supporting white. Yeah, you know, that'd be cool. Definitely. Commander Collection
0: White coming next year or coming uh, this year?
1: Oh, we already talked about that. It yeah. ain't happening. They're gonna get they're gonna get through all of them and then be like, "Uh, we're actually done with the Commander <laughs> Collection product." We
0: did. We did black, blue, green, and red. <laughs> yep. Uh, we're not gonna print a white.
1: Yeah, they're gonna be like, "Oh, well, you guys got the Gideon Spellbook."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Uh, um, well, we're droning on a little bit long, uh, shitting on white, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dale, you had wanted to announce the winner of the Caldheim Metal Shop poster, right? Yeah. What what uh, what do you got for that? Because we uh, uh, our fabulous sponsor, Neil at the Comics Vault, gave us a uh, promo material poster that he got from Wizards to give away. It's the uh, metal art of, I believe it's Kaya fighting Voronkix. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what the actual art is. Yeah. Uh, pretty sick. Um the posters going insane on like eBay. It's like how much did you say it was? Yeah,
1: I seen I seen uh listed sales for like $150, 180 and I seen starting bids at like eighty. So That's crazy. Yeah. The posters these days that come out that the shops get that are like promo posters are always fetching a high value on yep. eBay. And so. and
0: now it's like uh we get them to give away to you guys. So yeah. uh who, who is the new lucky owner of the metal shop poster?
1: All right. So the winner of this giveaway goes by the name of edh.goblin on Instagram. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah, congratulations, and uh, definitely thanks for the support and listening to the show. Most definitely. Sharing the giveaway stuff on your uh, feed and everything, and, yeah, definitely. Super happy to have you. edh.goblin?
0: As well. Yep. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh you know, coming from uh, a goblin myself. Um, definitely, uh, definitely enjoy the poster, and you know we always come out with big giveaways. Just keep listening. Um, we're pretty consistent on making sure that we can enrich the community as much as possible. And Neil, uh, bless his heart, is always willing to, to give us stuff to do that with. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Congratulations, EDH.goblin, on your new uh, pretty sick metal poster. And uh, I think that's going to be all for us at the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. And I'm Dale. And you all have a good evening.